everybody. Welcome to the Dad's Move Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Saladino. Dude. Come on. Dude. Bring it in. <laughs> Man, I am so happy. Who do I have in the studio? Introduce yourself. You've got the awesome Joshua Smith in the building. That's exactly how I was going to. Come on. I like there you it. Go. I like it. Sometimes I like to add, like, I'm a father, I'm a leader, I'm a community reinventor, reimaginer. And, uh, you know, I think to be able to come into spaces and strategize my way to the best outcomes, that's that's how I move, you know. So that's a little bit about me right there. Love it. Um, we'll, we'll get to it more, but uh, how many kids? I've got six kiddos, six bio kids. I was, I was about to ask because I know, yeah. like, it's it's extended Oh, yeah. I've got bit. six bio kids. I've got about five bonus kids. It goes down during all Whoa. holidays. You Whoa. Know, I travel a lot to make sure that I'm with and present and available to all of them. And uh, I might uh, be interrupted by a text that says, yeah. hey, pops. And I say, what, what up, son? You know, <laughs> so. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, okay. So, yeah. So, we know each other a little bit. Mm -hmm. Been getting to know each other a little bit more. Yes, We've got um, uh, spouses who have a connection. Yes. Yes. And I think that that's probably my favorite part of the work that I do is that my spouse gets in, gets to knock it out. And Dude, then, she rocks it. Like, like, I kind of wish she was here, too. Go like, on. She, she rocks it, man. <laughs> yeah, she's on fire. And uh, it's really cool to kind of, when she talks about her work life, it's like uh, uh, watching a series, right? You're hearing this uh, ever-developing story every day. So tell me what happened. <laughs> uh, well, and, um, you know, it's funny because I, uh, I Facebook stalked you after I first met you, oh. right? Met you at Peer Pathways. Yep. And um, it was like, well... The room is packed. I just came in to get a couple pictures. Yeah. The room is packed. There's a line outside. I'm like, thank God I am not presenting against this guy. Yo, like, I those are the ones you fear when you get scheduled. I think they said that that was the largest attendance that they've ever had in one event for Peer Pathways. Dude, if I would have been running Peer Pathways, I would not like... I gotta call the fire marshal. Like I gotta check. To make I gotta make sure. sure this is good. I don't want to get shut down. What is capacity in this room? Seriously, I was like, okay. I was like, so fine. If, if he'll do it, I gotta have him on the show. Come on. Like that's like boom right there. Absolutely. And then when you said yes, I'm like, okay, we've got some time. I can Facebook stalk. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking. I'm like, we have. Like like I think I, I think I know that person. <laughs> I click on as your fiance. Yeah. And then I always look for mutual friends. Yep. It's like we've got. Like three or four music. Yeah. What in the heck? Yeah. So, yeah. so I, loving I, that. I would say even like our proximity, just being in Lacey, right? right? That's that's super dope to me. I'm like, oh, we got someone who lives in the neighborhood. I'm on the way. What, yeah. When we when we scheduled, I'm like, you're where? Yeah. Right. That's perfect. Perfect. So, oh, and by the way, for those listening, we are in my garage. Whoa, whoa. In the studio. We don't get to do this much. I usually travel to people. Very nice. Um, or it's by phone. It feels like home. I appreciate it. Uh, well, I, I love doing these in person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're in my space. So I'm a little vulnerable. You get to see all my it's good. intricacies. It's good. I feel like I get to, like, digest another, like, level of you that other people don't get to. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. The first time Nelson came by, my <laughs> boss, 
Um, he's been here once for a recording and he walked in. He's like, Ooh, we get to really know about Joe. I'm like, yeah. I don't know if I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't have control over this. Oh no. Absolutely. And check out my environment. Exactly. Um, okay. So I always like to begin with the beginning. Love it. Born and raised. Born and raised. I was born in Pasadena, California. Um, you know, I was kind of thinking about this process prior to our, our meeting today. And I was thinking like, what is my experience when I'm thinking about like from the bottom to where I am now? And I, I find myself <clears throat> kind of categorizing every experience for some strange reason right now. And um, when I think about like underserved populations, right, I think I've had an opportunity to exist in a plethora of those mm. areas, right? So starting from, you know, watching the... Uh, the the rights in California from outside of my window. Are right? you talking Rodney King rights? Rodney King rights. Mm. You know what I mean. I'm seeing the smoke. Um, getting a brand new Zenith TV out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> you know? Surprise! Surprise! Right. And um, <clears throat> and then my mom just recognizing the the risk associated with our environment. She moved us to Northern California. And uh, in that process, my, my, my dad was like, I can't do the rain. I can't do the sticks. I can't do the woods. So how old were you when you moved up? I was uh, eight years old. So you were eight. So like second grade? Yep. Okay. Grade. Um, how many in your family? Uh, five kids and uh, my mom and my pops at the time. You know? Okay. Yeah. Because, again, Facebook stalking. Yeah. It, lo it looked like y you, you had a few in the brood. Oh, yeah. Coming out. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, I think it was back then when I started to learn about bonus brothers and sisters, right? Mm. And stepbrothers and sisters and, uh, you know, how important they are. Because when my mom left or when my when my dad left, um, there was another gentleman available mm -hmm. to me, right? Mm -hmm. And yep, um, yep. he came with a daughter named Stacy and she became my sister, right? right. And uh, uh, I, I, I found myself... In new environments, it was the woods, it was the sticks. There weren't other people who looked like us. And, right. um, you know, I found myself in some trouble. My dad was recently out of the picture, so I was looking for the trouble. Sure. I was blaming everything on, you know, the fact that I was the only one who looked like this in the room while you're picking on me. And at the same time, I didn't have any guidance from my dad to be like, hey, bro, it's good, and X, Y, Z. So when you came up, was it Lacey you came up to? No, I came. I, I went from Pasadena, California, um, uh, to Hunga, basically the Los Angeles uh, greater area, mm -hmm. and then we moved to Northern California, like Humboldt County. Oh, okay. Yes, and uh, <clears throat> still I, very different. Very than... different. <laughs> it was life in the fog. Uh, we we there's a Netflix episode called Murder Mountain, mm -hmm. and we actually lived there. Oh, <laughs> so when I'm oh. watching this this uh, documentary, I'm like, whoa, mom, now. <laughs> We need to have a discussion. That's funny. Yes. So, so my my point is, I've I've had the opportunity to live in um, urban areas, rural areas, uh, Northern California's gang infested areas, right? Where <clears throat> for my for my teenage years, I'm I'm super infatuated with and like involved with uh, uh, gangs, Hispanic gangs, and like mm -hmm. that was what I aspired to be. I loved everything about the the rules. I loved everything about the processes. I loved everything about, um, you know, the, the religious aspect to it. You know, there was like this interweaving of religion mm -hmm. and gang culture. And I was like, this is great. Cause it's like the first 
organize something that mm-hmm. I've had the opportunity to connect with. Yeah. You know, um, we've experienced homelessness, right? There was uh, about four instances where we were sleeping in the trucks, Oof. right? We were, we were sleeping in, um, you know, basements and homeless shelters. And I remember one Christmas <clears throat> worried that my dad was going to show up at this uh, homeless woman shelter, mm-hmm. you know? Another time, we weren't allowed at the homeless shelter or the women's shelter because um, she had a, a male son. You were too old? Was just too old. I, I've, I've worked at a spot where that happens, yeah. and you're like, <laughs> dude. Dude, right? So um, when I was thinking about my upbringing, uh, I just <clears> – <throat> it it felt good to, to know that I got to come into contact and experience – all of these different communities in ways that only they can or we can. I like to say we, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because it helps me in my work today, right? It helps me show up. It helps me with empathy. helps me with understanding. And, uh, yeah, that upbringing was, was a really important part of why we're here today, you know? Does that does that uh, fuel you a little bit? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I used to wash my hair in a creek before school and then throw some hair gel in it right <clears throat> and this is like true stories <laughs> so well you had to you had to show up yeah you had to show, had to show up right clean. Uh, the thing is we smelled like campfire because that's how we would warm ourselves up right mm-hmm. so and i hated that idea i was like i can't go to school smelling like a campfire <laughs> so i would go do I... lavender shampoo and the and i always had like this I was one of the only black or brown individuals in, mm. in a lot of spaces once we moved from Los Angeles area. <clears throat> and uh, so I wanted to show up and be representative of my culture, mm-hmm. have some swag. So, you know, I, I actually didn't realize how um, bad things were until I looked back and mm. really until my prefrontal cortex moved in. And I could be like, you know, I don't think that experience was everyone's experience. Mm. And what did I take from it? Right. You know? Um, uh, if it's appropriate to ask, how do you identify? Uh, so my dad's black, my mom's white. I identify as dope as heck. Boom. I don't know if, don't know if we could beep stuff out, but yeah. I can, I can bleep anything out. <laughs> okay. All right, I edit this. I can bleep anything Let's out. Let's go. Um, no, I just like to ask, cause you talk about representing your culture yes, and being, yeah. you know, being the, the only one looking like you. For sure. Um, I know growing up, I, I grew up in, um, uh, Olala, Port Orchard okay. area in Kitsap County, right. right? And um, you're talking about showing up, wanting to look correct. Mm-hmm. And I know that for us, like, much more Pacific Islander than than black in our yes. community. I, I grew up with, like, one black kid in my Absolutely. class going through elementary school. And, yeah, there was that that looking different. Like, sure. if, if he... If he showed up looking a little different, it's like, okay, what's what's up with him? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I saw someone show up to my school for the first time with a do-rag on, and he was sagging his pants, and he had Tim's. And I was like, someone urban? <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Right, uh, right. we have a conversation? Right. And uh, he was from the Bronx. We became best friends immediately. <laughs> and uh, he was very soon no longer at our school, probably because of the way he showed up. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, people's unfamiliarity with it, people thinking that, his urbanness was a sign of disrespect. Right. Right. His his lack of professionalism or no. the way he speaks, you know, all of those things, the things that we carry f- with us from our communities that are just ingrained. Right. Know? Well, and, and any other community. Yeah. Would be great. Right. Or, or not even noticed. <laughs> exactly. And embrace it. Right. Like, right. Like, like, like I did. Like, hey. Right. Like, hey, what's up? Okay, move on. Move on. Like, it's nothing, it's nothing different. It's nothing, nothing new. Absolutely. But then... 
to other groups, to other communities. It can be scary. It can be, like you said, disrespectful yeah. or just lacking. Like, clearly, you don't care to be here yeah. because look at your hair. Come on. Or because the, the way that you talk to me like that, son. Right. <laughs> and that that's how he spoke. So, you know, I, I, I could see the 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 look in the teacher's faces. And this is my, my friend. Like, I was just enthralled with his urbanness. I was like, yes, finally. <laughs> and, uh, and he would talk just like his community talks. He might have put a little bit of extra on it because <laughs> sure, sure. a little code switch uh, yes. on the other Come on the other direction, right? There's a val- there's value in that, right? How I show up. I'm from the Bronx, son. And right. and I was like, Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> well and and armor, right? Protection. Yes. Right? Like, mechanisms. If if I if I show up a little rougher, Come a little on. harder, yeah. then I'm safer. I'm safer. Nobody's nobody's gonna mess with me. That's it, right there. <laughs> Especially if you're if you're different. Come on. If it's if it's a newer environment, and and people are already looking at you. Yeah. People are already making those assumptions. Yep. So let's add on to it, and then I'm safe. And I'm good. Yep. 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 I, I see it all the time in the work that I do, and you know our systems aren't really set up for recognizing those things and supporting those things saying this is a defense mechanism let's right. not punish this person let's, right you know reinvest into this person well and when you i think being up here in the communities we are um you know i didn't grow up around a lot of diversity mm-hmm. i had to go to college and still not be super diverse that was that was central washington <laughs> okay. still not that diverse <laughs> but i had to get curious oh yeah and i think a lot of times professionally that can be a problem that you, unless, and even, I mean, we all go through trainings. Mm-hmm. We always have, you know, all these things that make us look better as yeah. organizations, right? No, oh, no, of course we do diversity <laughs> training. Of course we do DEI work, <laughs> like all this stuff. But if you personally don't want to know, yeah. if you personally don't want to grow, I can sit in my bubble and have all the same judgments. Absolutely. I can take all the same trainings. If I don't oh, want to yeah. know, I am not taking this with me. Well, and I think, too, we learn. I'm talking a lot. You need to be talking more. I talk, I talk too much. <laughs> I, I like a good conversation, um, and I'm passionate about it. Um, you know, it's I can take every training, mm-hmm. right? I And I know, because I'm an educated person. You're an educated person, right? And I like you said earlier, we. Mm-hmm. I need to use that. We know what is expected of us and what to say. Yes. In almost any situation. Mm-hmm. I can go in. And I know my view doesn't matter. I know what to say and what not to. Mm-hmm. It's up to me deep down to decide if I want to learn, change. A thousand percent. And I think professionally that's, that's the problem. You get these kids that come in from a different culture, from a yeah. different background, from a different everything. Mm-hmm. And if the professional doesn't want to care about it. Yeah. I think what we're talking about right now is healing-centered engagement, right? Healing-centered engagement is a super dope approach because we're really considering what are the social determinants of health that created this behavior, quote-unquote, or this response or this experience that we're having, right? What's happening right now, and how can I be supportive in a way where I'm understanding of those lacks in, in, in systemic support or structure or resources that you had to experience from your communities to make it to this space of resource, of love, of care, right? Right. <clears throat> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to talk for too long, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so 
Uh, so let's go a little back. Mm-hmm. So Northern California. Yes, Northern California. I kind of moved around there for a little bit. Um, I loved Humboldt County because it was the Redwoods. It was oh. something I've never seen before or experienced. Um, you know, I saw geckos for the first, or not geckos, but like uh, salamanders. Oh for yeah, the first time, right? And really got to explore nature for the first time. Um, <clears throat> and then after that, I moved to kind of like the Modesto area where it was really, really gang impacted, right? And I, I just love that, you know. And so I saw and and attached to those other community things that we all need and look for when we're when we're adolescents, right? Um, so in that process, I got to see like how impactful that experience was of me touching and holding and finding a salamander, right. And how important it would be for individuals from those gang impacted communities to experience that, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because it broadened my horizons. We go on hikes. We do like horseback riding on the beach, like stuff that I didn't have access to in those other communities, and and I know the impact that they've had on me, um, not only educationally, but like interest wise. Now, now my interest is what what would happen if I take my skills into um, the Department of Natural Resources where I could be like in the forest uh-huh. and, and find another salamander and um, share that excitement and engagement with the individuals from my communities that don't have those access. Right. And what that does, if I can create interest and understanding around different uh experiences and provide like experiential learning then i know that the youth and young adults when they're like 11 and 12 and 13 they might be thinking about that salamander experience or that uh uh, catalina island uh scuba diving experience more than the other ideations that are available to them and if they have pathways and on-ramps to those schools classes um, uh, summer camps, right? That's how you create a, 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 an engaged and purposeful workforce. And it's those people in the workforce that really make change because they want to be there. They, they've wanted to be there since they were 12. And now they look like me and you, right? They're representative of our communities because we reached in purposefully, mm-hmm. right? So I see like this big picture <laughs> and, and I see the lack and, uh, you know, if you want to fund me, my number is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put all that up. I'll make sure all that's out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and we'll get to your book. Yeah. We're going to talk about your yeah. book. But um, how do you make it to Washington State? Um, <clears throat> my sister um, went to college and uh, met an awesome dude named Jewett Watson. He played football for uh, one of the colleges up here. You know, I was probably like 16 or 17. and uh, Oh, so you didn't make it up here till later. No, I didn't. Um, oh, okay. In fact, um, I moved here when I was 17, and I wasn't allowed to go outside after dark for the longest time until I was 18, right? So um, when I turned 18, all my friends were celebratory of it because I could finally go out after dark, you know? And my mom was really, really um, protective of me. And she purposefully moved me from California to Washington because she saw the reoccurring impact of me getting involved with the criminal justice system, Mm -hmm. right? From being out after dark um, or for having marijuana in my system, right? And I'm a 16-year-old in Northern California. 16-year-old smoking weed? No. You know, and (laughs) and just exploring my boundaries, exploring what what my community was into, right? And I kept having contact with with my, my probation anytime that I would 
have some dysregulation at school or at home. My probation officer would come pick me up and take me to jail. There was just this cycle where I, I was continuously in these spaces. Now, also, imagine this. <clears throat> You're in a semi-rural community that's also gang-impacted, and then you keep going into the juvenile system where they house all of these gang inmates, right? Right. And they put us together. So why I think that I am from this hood, or I'm just ideating about it, I'm actually being put with the leaders, with the per- people who are actively pursuing a career in this. And and we're learning the handshakes, and we're learning the lingo, and I'm learning what neighborhoods are what, and who's at war. Like, I'm being indoctrinated into this <clears throat> so our systems, again, I'm going to point to them, yeah. aren't designed to understand the impact of, of the way that they house, the way that they um, work through lengths of stay and quality of stay, um, because they're supporting that development of those communities. And they can do it. They can also support development of other communities, but this is just the only way that they've learned how to do mm. it so far, right? <clears throat> but, <laughs> you know. So... Damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, but that's that's good pointing out. I, I'm I'm glad you pointed that. Like, it's like a, a the the idea of the pipeline. Yes. And like, yeah, taking taking you out of and then putting you right back in. How how is that? How is that supportive? How is that helpful? <clears throat> how is that supportive? Great. Now you're gonna feel even more connected. Super connected. I know everyone now. When I get out, I got war stories. Right. And they're telling. I'm guessing. I'm, I'm assuming mm-hmm. they're telling you when you get out, this is where you go. This is what you do. You know what? I actually was lucky enough to have <clears throat> some really, I wouldn't want to say powerful, but like respected mm-hmm. older um, members of my community <laughs> mm-hmm. um, where I just mentioned like, hey, my my older brother is Johnny Capistran. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. That <laughs> you know, my older brother is Roger Ingram, and they're like, "Whoa, you can have my cookie homes," you know. Ah, like, so, uh, I, I, ah. I, I enjoyed the experience because of, like, I, it was a, it was a rite of passage, mm-hmm. right? It was just something that we knew as our community we were going to go through. We knew mm-hmm. we were going to experience. We practiced. We thought about it. We we imagined it, and then I was there, you know. Um. And I'm glad I made my way out of that space. And it really took my my older sister to say, hey, mom, I see all the things that you guys are going through in Northern California. Surprise, surprise. Come join me in Washington. And, oh, and wow. I landed right here in uh, Olympia when I was 17. And uh, it was a, a game changer. And you, uh, did you go to River Ridge? Nope. Nope. I was already done with school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Touchdown. Was ready for, I guess, Fresh. the workforce, I guess. Well, I, I tried a little college, um, <clears throat> you know, met my first son's wife, or my, my first son's mom. And, uh, yeah, I think that, that was my first experience in adulthood. Um, and, and having resources, I don't know if, if you're aware of this, but Olympia, starting from their bus system to their uh, the workforce in, in, initiatives that they had down there at, uh, at WorkSource, uh, South Puget Sound, having all of that area in a, in a hub mm-hmm. and uh, inner city transit was voted to have one of the best transit systems, right? Back right. at that time, I had access and safe passage and I could ride the city bus and not worry about, you know, bad things happening to me. Or um, when I was at the college, I didn't have to worry about, you know, running into the enemies, right? Mm-hmm. It was just yeah. 
uh, adult community. It was eclectic. There were um, <clears throat> colors and music that I've never experienced, and the, the trees and everything about Olympia was so awesome to me. I thought that I could never go back to that hard-headed lifestyle where uh -huh. I was harming people, you know, and that environment changed me. That's amazing. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing to think of the the things that affect us and change us and that location. Yeah. Environment. Is so big. You got to think. Actually, check this out. Environment. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> imagine this. You're, you're in Iraq. You're on a squad you're, mm -hmm. you're you guys are doing dope shit but things that are okay there in that environment are not okay in other environments right sure. um it's the same thing if you go to prison right this environmental change means that i need to behave a certain way right and i experienced that when i moved when i moved to olympia and i was like whoa i can like breathe I can let my hair down. I can relax. I can go to like a house party and enjoy oh. myself. <laughs> right. Not have to be yeah. on guard, yeah, watching everybody, anxious about what's going to happen next. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like that, that, that eerie feeling that something's about to pop off, but you don't know from where or when. Oh, yeah. I think, I think even waiting for permission to pop off through someone else's actions. Right. right? Like you want to, you want to be the bee starter, <laughs> you know, like let's kick this bees net. I'm, I'm in a mood. Yeah. I'm in a mood. <laughs> you know what? Or no, actually I'm feeling unsafe. Yeah. I'm feeling unsafe. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. If I do this first, I'll protect myself. Defense mechanism. And I can control it. Mm -hmm. If it's coming from me, I know when, where. Shock and awe. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure, if I if I come in as as the as the storm, yeah, I don't have to worry about another storm. I should be safe. Yeah, yeah. protection, man. Come on, I really enjoy the work I do because as a staff member, and I show up and and I see the behaviors, I understand like these are symptoms. So so let's go into that. Okay. So DCYF. Yes, juvenile rehabilitation. Yes. So, so um, and let, let me just, I whenever I talk to folks from certain groups, mm -hmm. I love to go into like, so DCYF, you say that? Yeah. Or you say the so, former names? People people cringe. Cl clam up, cringe. The, the boogeyman, the bad people. Yes. They, you know, they want to destroy my family. They want mm -hmm. to break us all up, like all this stuff. Yes. Not my personal experience with the folks that, mm -hmm. at least that's not the goal yeah. of the folks that I've met that work for sure there. So I just like to always kind of tackle that ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's run into it. So DCYF, um, uh, as of late, is going through a restructuring where, uh, well, the juvenile rehabilitation sector is going through a restructuring um, where we're looking at those healing centered engagement approaches. We're looking at peer support processes. We're looking at opportunities, experiential learning. We're looking at how we can change the culture of not only the experience on the floor from what, like from when a resident arrives, <clears throat> but um, what happens staff-wise and are we being healed uh, as a part of employment here, right? We know we're coming from communities of trauma, communities of th those underserved communities ourselves, right? So what happens when I come to work with my biases 
And what happens when I see that dysregulation and I can't identify it as dysregulation. I identify it as disrespect. I identify it as, you know, um, this person not following the rules while this person is probably actually dysregulated, um, needs a higher level of care at this particular moment, which could just be like, yo, Jimmy, holler at me real quick back here. Let's, you know, let's give me two minutes. I got you. Um, and also, um, Damn, what was the question, man? (laughs) (laughs) No, just kind of destigmatizing DCYF and where you work. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So um, we're going through that restructuring where we're understanding that the engagement that happens between staff and residents, um, the trust, the rapport, um, that relatable resource piece is, is not only missing from systems, but needed very badly in systems. Um, if I can show up to a space where I know I've got six years, uh, I made one of the worst decisions of my life. I'm dealing with familial issues. I'm dealing with um, criminal issues, financial issues. My community might have a certain opinion about what I did or did not do in that moment, right? And now I'm here to face that. And I have a whole new process of are there gangs? Uh, what do I have to do to protect myself? I'm feeling unsafe. All of those things, right? Now, as staff, since we know that, we're approaching it in new ways where we can bring healing into these spaces. We can bring experiential learning. We can have tools like Live in the book that I created where uh, an individual could open the book and feel some motivation like, man, this is dope. But the purpose of those things is, what's your book, Jimmy? Mm-hmm. Right. Who? What's your community, and what would you say to them to to make sure that they're valued? They know that they're valued, and they have a life worth living. Right. And uh, and really just <clears throat> like like I applaud DCYF and juvenile rehabilitation, especially for for doing the work that they're doing. They understand. They're bringing in people like me with lived experience who can identify the harm initially and say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know if that approach works. And I I loved your approach, but for Jimmy to understand this, can we just change this language a little bit? Can we put it in a cartoon style? Can we create a video to where instead of having to read this white piece of paper, it's a animated cartoon saying, hey, Jimmy, in today's uh, diabolic behavior therapy, you know, whatever, right? Dialectic behavioral therapy. Sorry, I got these braces in. So oh, you sound great. None of my mouth is working right. <laughs> you sound great. Um, but yes, I definitely applaud what they're doing now. Um, we've all experienced when um, we've seen systems fail us. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's probably the hardest part about my job is is when I look up my job or when I hear about my job, when I hear about my agency, it's always in a negative light, right. and I'm a I'm 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 loyal to the T, right? Um, sometimes I find myself like, man, I got, I forgot I have my badge on. I got to take this off. Right. And, um, you know, I'm understanding of the community's concerns. I'm understanding of the community's experiences. Um, but I think that's why it's important for those community members to come into this work with their experience Mm -hmm. and say, this shit hurts. How can we support the next generation or the next family? Right. That's the way we have to be a consumer based um, uh, product period. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what I'm hearing, I'm, I'm hearing you talk about hope yes, sir. for the kids that you're working with, for the youth that you're working with Absolutely. in your community, um, collaborative work. 
um, experiential, which is huge. And one of the things I love because that's my education is systems. Okay. Systems. Um, Because all these interactions, none of them happen in a vacuum, right? Right. None of uh, youth shows up acting a certain way. They didn't just decide to act that way. Not at all. They didn't just decide that I hate you, so I'm going to do all this stuff just to mess with you. Yeah. Like there's there's all these inputs from everywhere around. And what I love is you talking about the staff and figuring out how the staff is inputting into that as well. Absolutely. Because that, I, you know, that is probably part of the historical problem. Absolutely. Uh, that, you know, you got to think of where our institutions are located. So they're located in a rural community. So naturally, we're going to employ from those communities where the experiences just don't align. Right. right. So employees are coming to work saying, good morning, sir. And residents are like, what's up, son? Yo. Right? Yeah. And there's, they don't realize they said hello to each other, right? Right. So just understanding that you really have to think about, like, so much of the bigger picture. Well, like, what, what are our hiring practices, right? Mm-hmm. What, how do we classify uh, a position to where we can make sure that individuals from the communities we serve are inside these walls serving in a positive way. And then understanding that because we are underserved, we lack a lot of those different uh, access points to healing engagement services or um, professionalism classes or what have you, the things that that systems generally expect of us um, to, you know, conform to systems you know, we don't have access to those things. So that's that's one part of the problem. The second part of the problem is the systems aren't ready to have um, my guy from Brooklyn to come in and say, what's up, son? How's everybody doing today? Right? Uh, <clears throat> everybody would be like, what? <laughs> and I think, um... yeah, and, and I think that understanding that and, and being able to, to live with that and, and to, to look at ourselves and say, we should be okay with that. And the reason why I'm not is because I have this systemic idea of what professionalism is right right? and you go work one summer in the bahamas that's out the window you're gonna learn a different style of professionalism and fall in love with it right right so that's what i mean about um being inclusive right and and thinking about the broader picture because it's it's all of those connection points that equal the right staff in the right places and once you have the right staff in the right places getting that healing centered engagement then you'll have awesome things happening on the floor in every engagement. You know, you'll see uh, an individual who might have a life sentence high-fiving his jailer because they mm-hmm. come from the same communities. They just discovered a win. They uh, mm-hmm. came o- overcame a challenge, right? And just understanding the impact of that um, can, can change communities. That's amazing. Um, I'm just thinking on the fly, talking about uh, professionalism and access, right? And just just had a thought of how how can we expect a youth to have certain professionalisms if there haven't been access? And so often we learn that through our parents, through our community, through like I didn't take a, I mean, through college, I'm sure I had stuff where I learned professionalism and other things, for but sure. for the most part, it was. My mom absolutely saying, you don't do this, you do this, you don't do this. And it just happened to fit in 
the professional community I went into later. Absolutely. Um, my mom would always say, slow down and enunciate. Right, right, <laughs> right. I remember her telling me that all the time. And I, I look at my 16, 17-year-old son and I think, I should be saying that to him. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> at the same time, I, I see some of the best colleagues that I've ever seen do the work who don't slow down and enunciate. Mm-hmm. They uh, have all of the the eclectic pieces and exotic pieces that came with them and attached to them through their communities and they have it still. And, and seeing the impact that they have on communities, I want to emulate that. Right. Right. I'm like, yo, that person is so dope. And they don't ever capitalize their sentences. Like, mm. like there's some reason why and and i should probably ask that person just because i respect their opinion but Mm -hmm. they're like that's systemic racism dog Mm -hmm. i'm gonna type how i type i'll Mm -hmm. send you a great email and i i i just agree with the person because they're so confident in that like yep Mm -hmm. for sure do your thing because i see you make an impact so however you're approaching it right i applaud it you know um, and that's how that's how we we show up. That's how we can make sure that our agencies can show up. So we have change, like we're having in DCYF. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're good. All right, we got so much to talk about, yeah. and we are lacking in time. And I know up. you. I know you got stuff. I want to be respectful of your time, Sorry. so I'm keeping an eye. But at the same time, I'm like, no, nah, I'll keep them three hours. <laughs> Colin's sick. I'll keep them three hours. Um, but so let's go to the book. Darn it. Hey, hey. Let's go to the book. Um, so I hate the title of your book. <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna know why. What? I hate oh, because you can't look it up? No, no, no. Okay. I mean that's that's a frustration. Okay, but you get okay. I actually when I looked it up originally, I put every ampersand and okay. percentage or whatever. I found it. Um no no no. I hate the title of your book because I want to say it every oh, time. Oh yes, yes. I want to say it every time. You I want to be like, keep effing going, right? Going. Can, can we say effing? You can say effing. I will bleep stuff, so you okay. can say keep I'm, going, okay. and I'll just bleep through it. <laughs> I like it. I like. But it. it's like every time in a professional setting, I'm explaining it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, so the book is titled "Keep F Star Hashtag Percentage Ing Going." Yes. A journey of motivation and navigation. 365 pages of affirmations, truths, and celebrations. Written by Joshua Smith and Jordan Davis. My dog, Jordan Davis. So we're going to hop into this, but first, how this come about? Um, I, I kept having engagements with youth and young adults, and I would come into their homes where they were um, currently incarcerated, right? And I would try to give them all the dope that I've ever thought of, right, in those five minutes. And then I would leave them behind. Mm. So I actually have that same experience from when I was like always incarcerated in juvenile systems is I would be in there for like four months with all my people. We'd cry together about court. I'd hear about his what's happening at his house and his girlfriend left him and all of these things. And then I'd leave. Right. And I felt Mm -hmm. like I was leaving my comrades behind. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I felt this this need. Right. To. Um, create something or leave something where where I quote unquote could always be there right now. Um, the res or not the residents, but the staff would always be like, "Dude, how do you connect so well?" Like, mm-hmm. I would come into um, full conferences, and uh, I would say ninety percent of the the staff there would say we have a terrible time connecting with 
uh, the residents and the people yeah. we serve. Uh, and that's the last problem that I have. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> I'm, I'm connected. I've seen you work. We're pulling clearly. up. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's just because they, I'm, I'm responsive and a representation of them and their experiences. Mm-hmm. And I don't disconnect myself from that when I'm in those spaces. I'm like, what up, son? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right. Um, and just, just understanding that, that that's culturally responsive, right? Um, so... Uh, I, I absolutely love showing up in spaces, but, but the, the, the thing that made me actually create the book was, um, I didn't have anything to leave behind that had all of the books, modalities, mm-hmm. uh, poems, sayings, um, like all of the things that I thought were really important. And then, um, if I did bring in that big stack of books for each one of the residents, then they'd have to read through each one of those books to get the stuff. Right. That's, right? that's a lot of education. That's a lot of education to pile in. Yeah. So my thought was, you know, how could I get all of the information from the four pivots, from the, the four agreements, right? How can I get some Dokodo principles in there? How could I get some? Then I thought, man, what if I can get some... You know, if I stop smoking weed or if I was arrested and I'm used to smoking weed or doing another substance to go to sleep, maybe drinking alcohol, mm. um, I might have insomnia. So what if I put something in here where you can do a pressure point exercise that helps you sleep? I love that idea. And so I started adding keys like that for someone who is just trying to get through certain stages in their life. And um, the idea of the book came up. Um, I think the first thing that popped to mind was the title. I was like, I need something that is catchy. I need sure. something yeah. that, that when, if I'm a, a, a individual who is in high school or I'm incarcerated or I'm in some space where I see the spine of the book <laughs> and it says, keep effing going, I'm going to be curious and say, hey, uh, Miss Smith, uh, can, I, can I see the book right there? And that's when we're like, gotcha. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. You know, bring it back when you're done with it. Uh, and the book is really 365 pages of uh, somewhat of a curriculum weaved through there of leadership, of renewal, of healing centered engagement practices. I wanted to make sure I added uh, um, breathing exercises. I wanted to make sure I added like core exercises. And mm-hmm. the goal was if, if you actually did each one of these pages there's no possible way that you will not be a better person by the end of it if you actually invested in those three minutes of saying i am aware i am attaining my goals and i'm motivated or whatever the the thing would be for that day Mm -hmm. um it's it's just proven science says Mm -hmm. you you did the things you took the steps so love it um i was gonna do all of it like yeah. I gave a, I gave myself like seven <laughs> or eight days because, you know, and then work happened, family For happened. Sure. I got all the excuses in the world. Absolutely. I should have still done it. But I went through like half of it. Right? I like it. Um, so two things I wanted to do first. Uh, do you know every day? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. And you know what? <clears throat> On that note, the reason why I I don't know the days is because this was an actual collaboration between Mm -hmm. me and Jordan Davis, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a super good friend of mine. I will rock with him do every project I ever have just because I feel like we have this connection. Um, Now, 
Uh, he's extremely talented. So no matter what project I go into, I'm like, hey, buddy, yeah. you, you, you want to join me on this process, <laughs> right? right? And Always uh, collab with folks that bro, have more, absolutely. that know more. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he is the boss. He works with uh, like some of the top streaming artists right now, doing all their covers. Oh. Like He is dope. But um, what I really wanted to do was get uh, his perspective Mm-hmm. Right to get his uh, his feedback and input because I can't make all the changes or think that my thoughts are the best. Right, I need right. To, I need to be in a team space. Right, for sure. Um, and he's never a yes man. He's like, ah, oh, what do you think about this though? You know, so he's a really great teammate to work with. And um, so I was like, yo, add some pages to this. You know, you want to get in mm-hmm. on this book? And he was like, you know what? I, I, I might dip in, man. So he started adding some really cool stuff in there. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, let's massage it a little bit to where um, let's have an action item on each page instead of just saying some cool right. shit. You know, like, let's 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 make this a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he's like, all right, cool. And then I say, you know, what if what if on your son's birthday, it's like something especially for him? So nice. he kind of there and yeah. uh, massage some cool stuff in. And uh, and we really we really kind of grew this together. The reason why I did that is because I think that mentorship and like peer support and collaboration is the best way to create a product. Right. Um, I can have all the ideas in the world, but I never know if they're good enough until I'm like, yo, what do you think about this? And people are like, yes. (laughs) Or no. What were you thinking? Exactly. Exactly. Um, So I want to do two things. One, I want to tell you, at least for the first half, my favorite. And we'll um, we'll see if that was yours or his and get your reaction. And then I just want to randomly flip through. Let's do it. All right. So day 13. Okay. Day 13. Super, super short quote. Let's do it. I bet you won't. Yeah. Then it says, then again, knowing you, you will most likely assess the challenge, set goals, and then strategize an innovative approach to positive outcomes that no one will ever see you com- see coming. And then my second favorite part of this one, we see you. We see you. We see you. Love that. Love that. I don't know how many times... In my past, in friends, family, whatever, right? Um, people second guess you. Come on. Second guess your abilities. Second guess your motivations. Yep. And sometimes that's the biggest driver. Is you know, wow. I'm glad. I look back and there's been a couple times where I'm like, I am glad. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's one moment. Um, loved my grandma. Loved her. Miss her. Miss her. Miss her. But um, it, she questioned. Something I was about to do, something yeah. big I was jumping into. Yeah. And I was like, why are you doing that? <laughs> You're not going to, you know, whatever. And I go back to that mm-hmm. because I was like, I'm going to prove that wrong. Yeah. I'm going to show you. I'm going to fire it up. Right. And then what I love about that page is we see you. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and, and I would say that a lot of the pages say I would be going through and uh, maybe I wasn't feeling it. Right. I would go in and put something straight from my brain right there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, instead of using the Dokodo principles or the four pivots or whatever. Right. I put something straight from my heart right there. And I think that's what it was. Um, well, I know that's what it was for that is is that was that was my mindset that day. Like, I bet you won't. <laughs> but then again, you'll probably assess the situation, strategize a way to success that nobody thought was possible. Right. right? 
and we see that, you know. Love it. Yeah. All right, so let's flip. You tell me when to stop. All right. But stop. Uh, one or two? Uh, two. Two. Day 108 um, with MLK statue in the back. Let's go. Did you know that Martin Luther King Jr. wrote his famous I Have a Dream speech on the back of an envelope during a train ride? Then his speech became one of the most important and inspiring moments in American history. Martin Luther King Jr.'s story is a reminder that inspiration can come from unexpected places and that even small actions can have a profound impact on history. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. I think that that is a great example of those moments when you're on your train ride, right? When you're sitting in bed, it's 3 a.m. and you have that idea, that spark where you know like this is right for you to write, to create, to mm-hmm. invest in, right? No matter what your grandma says, that's the motivation. It was once. <laughs> she was in a bad space. <laughs> love you, grandma. <laughs> yes, miss you, miss you, you grandma. Mom, Absolutely. don't hate me. <laughs> and and you know, so that's that's the idea is when you have those those moments where, you know, life is is doing that right when maybe the situation is is doing that maybe your finances are doing that creating that barrier right sometimes you got to just keep moving past it right and and write that note on the the envelope right enjoy your train ride get that thought out right but it can be a history changing moment not only for you but for the the entire world the world yeah right right so write that note man love it um so man, we're at fifty minutes. That's good. Okay, I, like I, I want to do another hour, but I know you can't. That's the book. Yeah. Keep effing going. I'll have the links. I'll have the everything Absolutely. up for that, so people can find it. But we got to move on because I've got questions and Sweet. stuff from other people that I want to pop in, That's and good. I'm afraid it's going to take more than the time we got. <laughs> right, so right. I want to get to them. I, I have a. I know I'm a nerd. I have a notepad in front of me, folks. This is how we get it done. Tell me about how you how you stay optimistic and how you inspire others to be optimistic. Because what I've been told is that you are one of the most optimistic yeah. people and that you use that to keep Come effing on. going. Yeah, so absolutely. So how do you keep that in you and how do you inspire that in others? You know, I would... I actually took some personality tests recently, and that is a top trait of my personality is that ideation, right? Um, That futuristic mind, understanding that um, there has been beginnings that look bleak, and there has been outcomes from those that have been amazing, right? Mm -hmm. There's been those um, writing a letter on the buses that have changed history for me, and I've experienced that. So, um and I've been sleeping in the back of a suburban with five brothers and sisters and three dogs. And I'm getting the uh, mayonnaise and the cheese and the bread out of the cooler off the roof. And I'm making the sandwiches and I'm handing them out and everyone has their opinions. And, you know, we're hoping to go to grandma's house later this week so we could shower and do laundry. In the meantime, let's go to the national park and just explore or whatever. Right. So I've also been on the other side of that where I I'm a homeowner now and I own three dope or four dope dope dogs <laughs> I was gonna say three but um we got a new little Frenchie he's awesome and um you know so I've experienced the the bleak intros and the awesome outcomes so when I think about being optimistic you have to be optimistic when you're going to bed in the back of the truck, right? Like mm-hmm. things are going to get better. Um, you have to be optimistic when, um, even when, when I had my, that, that 
gang ideation, you know, when, when I'm hopping out and I'm thinking, I got this, right? You have to be optimistic in those spaces. When when they clear the floor and it's just you and your bunkie in the room, you got to be optimistic, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so while I've experienced all of those bleak beginnings, I've also experienced those beautiful outcomes and um, just understanding that we can all see those um, if we can foresee those, right? Right. If you can imagine it, if you can see it, you can be it. And um, I'm always going to say that it gets better. Shit gets better. Absolutely, 100%. Um, yeah, and I look forward to, to everybody's win, you know? Love that. I'm going to point out, and I'm going to take a picture of this before we we uh, wrap up um, or after we stop recording. We both have our work phone and our personal <laughs> phone. I'm, I'm assuming that's why you've got yes, two. Yes. Oh, that just, that's how we got to move. That just cracks me up. It's like, yeah, that one needs to stay home. Nope, yeah. that one's always with yes. me. Yes. You know, I was at the dentist and I had all three work phones and he was like, so you're a busy man. I'm like, why you say that? And he <laughs> says, your phones. And I was like, yeah, that's three different jobs right there. You're right. Me at the chiropractor. Yes. Accidentally goes off. Hey, your phone's ringing. Which one? <laughs> yeah. Which one? That's if how- it's the red phone, I told them and I put it on my schedule. I'm at office. Yeah. If it's the black phone, that's probably my kid's school. Hand that to me right now. Don't, Absolutely. don't crack my back yet. Come on. Um, <laughs> just had to point that out. Um, all right. So got that one. Mm, all right. Mm. I think I just ripped the paper doing that. Um, okay. I think we did that. We talked about blended family kind of how, yeah, I, I, I love a blended family, man. Um, I actually live with uh, an 18-year-old dope bonus daughter. I've got a 10-year-old dope bonus son. And um, uh, those are the kids who run my house right now. And so my six kiddos mm-hmm. uh, live with their respective parent mothers. Right? Oh, okay. And, um, and their step family right so when we get together and we collaborate we've got all the flavors we've got all the personalities we've got everyone's input and thoughts right uh thanksgiving we've got 28 people at my house and you know half of those could just be my kids you know so so um best thing about a blended family and most difficult thing about a blended family not bad just yeah yeah i would say uh the best thing about a blended family are the food options everyone has their own opinions and you know i i i grant agency to all my kiddos to bring it to the table what you guys love, love what do you love right love um and the hardest thing i would say is what i would imagine every father who has uh, a multiple family home would be more collaborate they would want is is more collaboration um mm. They would want more involvement and not as much separation because, you know, sometimes I'll be doing something with this child's mom and, you know, for this sport. And later that day, I'll be with this child's mom and we're doing this athletic event. Right. Um, And just the thought would be like, can we come to a healed and understanding space where we can all be together and support each other? Because. All of my kids know each other. They text each other. They call each right. other. They they want right. to be at each other's basketball games, right? Um, so just getting to that space in life, I haven't mastered it yet. Mm. I, I hope to get there. Um, and, you know, I think that just takes um, authenticity and honesty and all the things where people feel safe. If, if, if they feel safe, 
then they're going to want to be involved and be connected. Right. And that's the goal, right? Love it. I got at least two more questions yeah. for you. How many cars have you actually owned? Okay. Okay. <laughs> and which car have you had the most duplicates of? Ooh, the Cutlass Supreme. I've had the most du- duplicates. How of. many? Yeah, I've had five Cutlass <laughs> Supremes, and we're talking about like the '82 to '86 at the latest. Um, I like a G body. I like something classic. I like something with a little muscle in it, right? So when you fire it up, you can smell it, you can feel it. And um, you know, right now I've got a '86 Cutlass Supreme I salon model. No, you got do. Got the clutch in the floor. Do you do you Ugh. have somebody to yes. to work on it now? Um, I, I I found someone. Yes. I think that they're gonna come pick it up in the next month and uh, hopefully have it to me by summertime, and I'll be able to peruse through our neighborhoods oh man i want to i want to experience that that come on hey look every summer i try to pull out a new car right (laughs) a new old school and um you know i think it took a minute for sienna to be okay with that she was like what is happening like every summer you got a new old school or why'd you invest in that motorcycle right you know you're gonna sell it in the winter right so she knows me very well she 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 told me she's accepted it good, it's been good, long good. enough that yes. she's she's come to acceptance yes i'm <laughs> so glad it what helped with this one is i hid this one in the backyard so she didn't have to see it all the time <laughs> it's helpful um uh why i mean i'm no, i'm no. kind of a car guy i've just never been i've never had the space or the i'm so glad you have ever so glad and you. for me it's uh 69 roadrunner come on yeah. i want the fin yeah i want the front i want the daytona blue so would you would you go for like uh the classic original body or would you have it like on a new charger frame and see that's mm. the that's the hard part right like mm. part of me wants that original everything sure. where you just look and it takes you back oh yeah but then there's always that draw of like you hop in and it's it's just futuristic. Yes. Right. And you've got all the creature comforts. Yeah. And um but sh- my problem with all of that, with all the, you know, like a like a Hellcat or a mm-hmm. demon or all those engines and everything else, is I can't have a stick. Because they're all so advanced yeah. that you can't respond faster than the computer wow. responds. I didn't think of that. And I mean I'm dri- I'm driving a Honda Fit, right? Who am I to talk? But it's but it's manual. Yeah. It's a stick. I'm connected. Yes. Right? Like I have to respond to everything. Come on. And I mm, I want that. So deep down, I would probably just want a pristine original at most like Bluetooth connected so sure. I can just sure. put my phone in. But yeah. otherwise, the, the the smells and the feels mm-hmm. and the everything else, that sound Absolutely. that comes from back there. We're getting off on a tangent. Sorry, folks. I might cut this. <laughs> but what drives me nuts about the newer stuff mm-hmm. is the sound, the like high end yeah, yeah. whining and yep. stuff like that. I want that deep, rich sound where people are like, uh-oh. It's experience, right? And yeah. So when you ask my why, it's because of experience. I think that... Um, you know, well, well, my dad, he owned an auto body shop for a long time. Um, he worked on cars from sun up to sun down. He would always smell like it. It'd always be on his fingers. And, um, it was something that I really just, that was his identity. So I was Mm. like, yo, that's a beautiful thing, whatever it is. And, um, 
I saw him flip through so many beautiful cars uh, all the time from international trucks with the steering wheel on the other side because it was a mail truck or, or what have you, right? Yeah. Um, he sparked that interest, and I kind of carry that as the thing he handed down to me is, is I'm sure. a car guy. You know? Love it. Yes. So we, we, I believe we just passed an hour. All right. So I know we got a wrap. We can we can do this again. We can do this a million times. Yeah. We can go we can go somewhere else and talk to people. So my last question, because I gotta ask, because you're you're tatted up. Yeah. Since we don't have any time left, favorite tattoo you got? Uh, I've got two sparrow. I got a sparrow on each hand, and they're kind of like homecoming birds. Mm -hmm. If you're out on the ocean, fishing Alaska or what have you, um, when you know that you're close to land, is you start to see birds. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those homecoming birds were really important to me, not only for my reentry into community, but I'd love the ocean. I love fishing Alaska, like doing dope out of the box, things like that. Diving for gooey duck. But um, yeah, something about those those birds letting you know that you're home, you know, so that's perfect to end right. on your home, folks. Come on, your home. home. I'm going to hit the music. That's the intro. That's the exit music, which means we're done. Hey, Joshua Smith in the building. Thank you so much you for having me, for coming out here and spending the time. Again, we could do another hour or two or three. Maybe Actually, let's will. schedule it, man. I appreciate sharing space with you today. Thank you so much. Sure. Have a great time. Uh, great rest of your day. This Come has on. been the Dad's Move podcast. My name's Joe.